Hello, Gospel for Grampian listeners. It's Angelina coming to you from Women of Africa Care. Welcome to our second episode of Yellow on Air. And we are very excited because today I have my biological family on air with me. Yes, Yellow, we've got three different generations on air today. We've got the baby boomer, my beloved mom. We've got Generation X's, which is my biological sister, Jennifer. And she's in the medical industry coming all the way from the Middle East in Dubai. So, Jen, very Everyone, welcome to you and myself. So really what we're going to be talking about today is life experiences. But before we do that, how are you, mommy? I'm fine, thank you. I'm very well and good. Awesome. Are you excited to share with us some of your secrets? <laughs> yes, I do. Awesome. Why I say secrets, yellow? Mommy's a, mommy's a baby boomer. And as a baby boomer, she comes from the silent generation. So they don't talk a lot about the experiences unless you fall and then you are in a shameful position. Then they'll come say, don't worry, my baby. I made that same mistake. So she comes from the silent generation. How are you today, Jen? Um, hi, Ange. I am so excited to be on your show. Thank you for the opportunity. Being in my 50s and being called Generation X, I believe I've got some wisdom to share. And thank you for the opportunity just to hear my thoughts and uh, be blessed. Yes, yes. So, Yellow, I always say... Don't make all the mistakes yourself when you can learn from our mistakes. In that way, you can advance earlier in life. You know, um, don't wait to be 50 to start your life when you can learn from our mistakes and progress when you're in your early youth ages. And especially Jen and mom, we are living in South Africa where youth empowerment is so prevalent. Um, the government is doing a lot to uh, advance the youth of our generation because really over 50% of Africa is youth. So the basket, the foundation of our future is our youth. So if we don't advance them and fast track them, then South Africa or Africa as a whole are going to be a continent that's going to fail if the youth are not responsible, accountable, and educated. And so how we can advance them in this time is by sharing our life experiences. And we do that through life coaching and mentorship. And really today is really mentoring and coaching on air. So we're going to start with you, Jen, from a career perspective. What are the things that you learned that you can impart into our youth on how to fast track their career in a time where you're living in a country or in South Africa, especially where unemployment rate is high, what can they do to fast track themselves while they're unemployed? Yeah. Um, I have to say, I think before I answer that question, Angel, I'd like to share a little bit of um, higher calling, higher purpose that only became fruitful or rather, um, can I say, um, known to me at, at a very late age in my life. But at the time when it happened, I didn't realize that was my purpose. I was born into a traditional family that believed in family values, family principles. The foundation was having the nuclear family with the mom, the dad, and, 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 the, and the siblings. And we were four. And when I finished my matric at that point in my life, I thought that I was wanting to get into pharmacy. And, and dad being the single breadwinner in the house, um, uh, couldn't afford to send me to university. University. And so for about eight months after I finished my matric, I was just at home supporting the Sunday school, just as helping coach the little children with the little that I knew towards, you know, living their lives, pleasing God. And eight months down the line, my dad comes home the one day and he says to me, Jen, 
um, there's there's the, the the information to apply for a nursing school. How about getting into nursing? Since you've been at home, you've got your metric exemption. Why don't you apply? I applied. I got accepted immediately. And January the following year, I got accepted um, into uh, what we call the four-year diploma nursing course. When I got to the nursing school, the very first day at that time, I was taken like like uh, with um, the modular curriculum that we were running. We were taken into the nursing departments uh, to the bedside just to get an exposure of what the clinical field looked like. I was taken into a stroke unit where it was a medical female stroke unit. Most of the patients, you can say 80 to 90 percent of the patients were bedridden. They were um, they had functional problems and it was at eight o'clock in the morning and at that time the routine was to do bed baths. So I was paired up with an older experienced registered nurse and I was told to, to just accompany her, shadow her and see how she does a bed bath. When she closed the curtains and um, and, and the RN uh, rolled back the blankets of this patient that was lying there, it must have been a 50, 60-year-old woman, and all I saw was this patient was soiled from head to toe with loose diarrheal stools, and all I wanted to do was roll up my sleeves and get this woman clean and comfortable. At that time, the penny dropped in that I was called to be a nurse, and I never looked back. I love nursing. I'm passionate about nursing. Being an introvert, nursing has taught me and brought out so much more qualities, not only of being a better person and caring and serving people, but how to maximize the team I work with and develop them into potential leaders. And I thank God that today I'm a nursing leader, that that the 50 years of my life plus, I could now um, impart um, that which God has taught me, which God has applied into my life, bridging the gap of what that carer should be in today's world. Thank you, Jennifer. How would you now be able to help our youth what are the things you can help them in terms of assisting them to find their purpose because like you said somebody brought a document home an application dad brought an application home you applied and the minute you saw the person swelled and you wanted to help them Mm -hmm. you just realized no i gotta help there was a passion Mm -hmm. inside of you to serve that lady and that brought about your calling what are the things that they need to look out for when they attempt going to serve to be able to identify that is a calling versus I'm just serving here because I want to give back to the community? Okay, the other thing, and thanks, Ange, for that question as well. The, the one attribute I would say that, that that has been with me that I would consider a strength for me is that I'm a, that I'm a continuous learner. And I like what John Maxwell says, and in fact, he is my mentor. And he says, the greatest day in your life and mine is when we take total responsibility for our attitudes. That's the day we truly grow up. And and, and taking control of your attitudes means that, that you have got to own up to what is areas that you need to develop in, what you one would consider weaknesses, and how do you say, I'm going to move from point A to point B, because unless you change that attitude, take on the accountability and responsibility for your own growth, for your own learning, you cannot blame your parents, you cannot blame your siblings, you cannot blame the government, you cannot blame your schools or the the institution that you are part of for your failure. So you take the attitude, you embrace it as in pulling the bulls by the own and say, okay, I'm going to start, how do I take this step in 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 towards um, a thousand miles, and the, you know, um, there's, there's another famous quote that says, "A single step um, is the first step that you take towards a journey of a thousand miles." And so today, you ask yourself, what is it? 
that is within my control that I can do right now. And if today means that I pick up a diary and say, what is it that, that I'm not satisfied with my life and write down the top three things that come to mind, that could be a starting point to the thousand miles to saying, okay, now if this is point A that I need to start, I don't know much about, let's just say the work environment about nursing. So I want to, my first step is to do some research and find out what it is that I need to know, uh, which learn training schools can allow me to get in, what is the cost, is there any free schools, etc., uh, etc. Et so start to ask those questions, be curious about where you are and where you want to be. Thank you. So our yellow on air listeners, we are here today, if you just tuned in, myself and my mom and my sister, and we are coming in to give you some coaching and mentorship in terms of life lessons, something that you won't generally get on a day-to-day basis unless you have an appointment with your mentor or coach. So we are giving you free coaching and, and mentorship today to help you make the right decisions and find a purposefully meaningful life. So we encouraging you today to please get a pen and paper and write down these notes to help you. Don't make all the mistakes yourself when you can learn from our mistakes. You know, I'm thinking about God talks about it in Jeremiah 29, 11. He says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and to give you a hope and expected end. And then in Ephesians 2, 10, he says, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do the good works that God predestined us to do and God has created every single human being on the earth for a purpose no human being was created a mistake if you exist it's because God had you in mind when God created the earth he looked at it and he said it is good the earth did not come from a big bang it did not come from a single cell that evolutionized into a monkey and then into a human being. We are created in the image and likeness of God. So every human being exists because God had us in mind. And with that in mind, Jen and mom, God had a purpose for us. Jen found a purpose when dad brought a piece of paper in and he said to her, Jen, go and apply. She had in mind to be a pharmacist, but God knew that he had something bigger for her, not just to give medication, but to literally care for the being of a person. And, you know, I'm thinking that our bodies are the temple of the living God. So your higher purpose is to look after that. Can you see everything that God, from a career perspective, has purpose? I'm thinking about myself, Jane. You know, when I was in school, Dad used to write my speeches. Now, you know, he used to do a lot of uh, work, homework he used to help us with our homework, and he wrote my speeches. But thinking about dad brought the application for you for medical. Do you know what dad did for me? When he wrote my speeches, he wrote empowerment speeches for me. Little did I know that when I grow up, I am going to be, yes, and interesting enough that I am an economic development activist. My job is to make sure that jobs are created and, fair, and, and that the population of South Africa is fairly represented in the economy. And I'm a woman empowerment uh, agent as well as a youth empowerment agent. Little did I know that God would use my dad while I was a teenager to write empowerment speeches. And when I would give my speeches in front of the class, everybody would be wide awake listening because there was so much of passion coming out of me to empower women. And, and little did I know that 
God had set up that passion through my dad writing my speeches for me to now stand up for justice and righteousness. And the Bible says that God judges us in equity and righteousness. And what do I represent? Equity. So you see gospel for Grampian youth. Do not take your parents for granted because God designed parents to be there to help you for your future. You know, I think about daddy. He was dysfunctional, but as an alcoholic at the time when we were growing up, but even in that dysfunction, God put us in his care. We were born from mom and dad because God knew what we needed. And dad, God used dad to draw out our careers for us. Yeah. And, and and that's true. You know, um, God gave us two parents who were so different. Whilst um, Dad um, was a life coach, he was a businessman, he, he believed in establishing one job after another, um, and Mum was the home executive. Mum managed the household. She managed the budget, the inventories, the food. She taught us how to manage our time, and we used to come from, you were sharing the other day, you know, we got home from school after a tiring uh, secondary year, and you come home and you've taken the bus um, from school to home you've sat in the sun in the in the school bus and you got home you were so depleted of energy and mom would say to us go and 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 um, you know dress out of your school clothes go and take a shower go and have a power nap and we would wake up after the power nap so refreshed but mom would have the soji or the vermicelli or the cake already baked and all we needed to do was have a cup of tea um uh, with a sweet thing and then she would send us right back to go and complete our homework or whatever else we needed to do and that was our routine for for the for the monday to friday because mom managed everything. She was such a good coordinator. And, and, and through us transferable skills, we knew how to manage our time better. We knew how to organize our time. We knew the beauty of caring. Mom served us. And through her serving, we learned how to serve others. I believe I'm in the nursing profession because both my dad and my mom taught us. And those transferable skills of leadership, I love leadership. I love people. I, I love investing in developing people to do what? To care for patients that cannot care for themselves. And that part came from mom, whilst the leadership and the development came from dad. And, and I love my job. I love what God has called me to do. But I learned and I failed many times. And learning and failing many times, it just helped me to grow in resilience because I knew that if I stayed down, I would never become an overcomer. I learned to accept that failure, not shrink from it, but rise up and learn from it, recorrect, realign, retransition, and then have a new goal and work towards that. And I Another thing is God has given me, and sometimes I wonder as a leader, how am I going to be creative or innovative to support my team to be able to raise up the standard because I believe in nursing excellence. But God has been divinely so merciful, so compassionate, so wise in bestowing new ideas, new innovation, new creation. Every morning um, that I rise up, sitting today here, just brings new ideas to the table of how I could do things differently. And it's not about me. It is because the Holy Spirit that lives within us, that that that, that shuts the lion's mouth, that, that is the fourth man in the fire, that presence of God keeps us going. And, we, we can, and he is our ultimate life coach. Because if we want to succeed in this life, we can't succeed without God in our life. And so he brought the people like our mom 
mom, our dad, our, our siblings to sharpen up our, our weaknesses, but also maximize our strengths. He brought my brilliant husband, which just keeps me humble all the time and reminds me who I am, but shapes me as well and, and understands my success and supports my success. And I thank God because he alone is another life coach building me up towards a greater purpose that God has called me for. And one thing, like I said, treating people as well with respect is so important and is so valuable in your journey of life because you can't think that you're going to get to success and achieve true prosperity by knocking people down. You've got to love them and respect them. So whether they're different in their jobs as being a handmaiden or whether they're a job, whether they're a helper in your house or whether they're an executive as a CEO, all of them have got different ways to serve people. So you value them, you respect them, you don't knock them down because your job title says something else. Yes, I, I love what Jen is saying. And you know what I'm getting out of this, Jen, is that that we cannot be on our own. We need people. Because everything you're talking about, your success, had to was was came from a position of having the support system in our homes. We had mom, we had dad. And and like you're saying, you've got your husband. So whether you're a youth in your young days with your family or whether you are a early or a young bride, you have a spouse, people matter. And in isolation, you can never succeed. That is why the Bible says there's there's wisdom in the multitude of counsel. And that counsel for your youth can be your mom, can be your dad, can be your siblings, can be your husband if you marry young. But there's wisdom in that. And what I pick up is that a lot of youth have the attitude, I don't need anybody. I'm actually quite good on my own. And we've picked up, even though we had a dysfunctional family life, we, we had... We loved each other. I mean, I think about, we, we both behave differently in our home, right? Jen's my uh, a second sister. I'm the baby sister. And how we reacted to dysfunction determined our success in the future. And I think we are a brilliant example. We had dysfunction, but you chose to blind your eyes to the dysfunction. You chose to draw good out of the family and look at the success you are. I mean, you're like four years older than me, but you are so successful. You are a nursing director in the Middle East, one of the top hospitals in the world, right? And your success had to be one, you humbled yourself to mom and dad, even amongst dysfunction. You were vision focused and you were determined mm -hmm. and you were able to draw the good values out of the family, even in a dysfunction. Whereas myself was so caught up with the emotional issues of the dysfunction that I became rebellious and 51 and I'm trying to start life all over again. Can you see the difference about the attitude? You made lemon juice out of lemon mm -hmm. and I stayed sour in the environment and mulled and was miserable. So what we're saying here today, Gospel for Grampian Youth, you can make the excuse of your dysfunction and lose out in life, or you can do what Jennifer did and say, I understand the environment is dysfunctional, but how can I draw from a dysfunctional environment to improve my life? 
And I'd like to share on top of that, that yes, coming out of a dysfunctional family is very, very hard when you're a teenager. And, and we were three girls and, and we had a brother. And so the four of us, it's not easy when, when you live in a home and your mom's trying to keep the peace and you know your God, your dad meant well, and he was a good dad, but he was a bad husband. And, and so how do you, do you come out of this home trying to be successful? Well, one of the things that happened very early in my life is that I, I met the Lord Jesus when I was in standard six going to standard seven and the Holy Spirit has been my coach for from then till today and I know forever as 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 a coach unto me the Holy Spirit gave me the hope for the future I'm a very idealistic person I, I believe in reality and reality based thing but I'm idealistic in the sense that I believe there's a better tomorrow always hoping and, and, and praying for the best and so how did I succeed to get to where I am because I believed in the better I didn't stay down knocked down defeated playing victim because the Holy Spirit reminded me that I am more than a conqueror I am a new creation and using that to support my carnal, can I say, the carnal world, world um, uh, ambitions, so supporting the carnal prosperity, it's just helped me to become the person I am. I am in no ways a saint. I've got many things that 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 are weaknesses, but I I try to live off my strength, not live off my weaknesses. I try not to let my weaknesses show, and I thank God for that, that he keeps us humble, knowing that we are not perfect. But what I'm trying to say is, and one other thing I wanted to say to Inge, as, as controversial as, it, um, as it's going to sound, Living in a dysfunctional home doesn't mean you got to dishonor your mom and dad. You, you, yes, you would correct them in love, and you can tell them what is what is right and what is what, in your opinion, is not uh, uh, right. But do not dishonor them, because in honoring them, you will have a long and successful life as well. I just love what she's saying, and we both are now examples of this truth that Jane talks about. I became a victim where Jen decided to say, I'm going to draw from that. And because she's an idolist and there's a better tomorrow. And in me becoming a victim, I rebelled against mom and dad. I dishonored them. And the Bible says that there is a curse associated to dishonor. So I always felt many times I went through many losses because of not submitting. And, and the Bible is so clear that you, you submit to government authorities, you submit to church authorities, and you submit to family authority. And when you're a youth, your parents are your submission authority. God put them there for a reason. Don't wait to be 51 like Angelina and realize, oh my gosh, I wish I'd gotten this right earlier on in life. So if you're a youth today between the ages of 15 and 35, we are telling you, learn from our mistakes. Here's two sisters sitting opposite each other. One is 54, one is 51. The one that's 54 chose to submit to the authority and look past the dysfunction. She decided to be like one of Noah's children who did not laugh at him when he was naked. I was the son that laughed at my dad when he was naked. And what happened? That son was cut off from the blessings. And so, yes, God is merciful. God forgave me. God is merciful and he forgives me when you ask for forgiveness. But don't wait till you are later on in life and have regrets. You know, there's one thing I, I heard. They, they did a survey, Mom and Jen, mm -hmm. and they, uh, they interviewed people that were in their retirement age. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the people that retired said the one thing they missed was family. One thing they missed was family. And in dysfunctional homes, if you close yourself up to your family because you are hurting or offended by what your parents did, you will grow up, get to retirement, and wish you had corrected it. 
And so we're saying youth today. The Bible doesn't say if your parents are good, you must submit and honor them. The Bible says submit to them. God, they are God, they're accountable to God for their leadership. Mm-hmm. Our job is to submit because God put them there to protect us. And so one thing we're telling you youth today, before we even get to the part of career, let's get the order back at home. How you know whether you're rebelling against your mom and dad. When they give you an instruction or when they talk to you, what goes on in your heart? Because the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, we speak, we do, we act. In the heart, if you feel rebellious towards them, if you're angry towards them, if you see them in a negative way, already you know you're in rebellion and you need to get the heart right. God doesn't wait for us to get the action part of rebellion to say we're in rebellion. It starts in the heart because the heart is where the seed of rebellion starts and the seed of humility. And we are living examples, Jen, of what what success looks like when you submit. Yes. You know, true success for me is not the material wealth. That's just the, um, what we say, the side effect of, of, of the fruit that is being born, that the side effect is getting the prosperity and the material wealth. But true success is having joy that, you know, that, that is unexplainable, that even when things are so hard all around you, you have this peace of knowing that it's going to be okay. And I can tell you this, I'm reminded, as God says to us, is that I am a spirit living in a body, possessing a soul. You know, when you recognize that your true being is a spirit being living in a vessel that is body, it doesn't matter how the body looks on the outside. Yes, you've got to take care of that body because it's a shelter from within which your spirit and um, aligned with God lives within. But, but the fact that you're a spirit means that that aligned with Jesus, all things are possible because you submit to him, you honor him. And like God says, you can say unto this mountain, uh, be thy removed and cast into the sea. It will be done because you're speaking of that spirit power that, that is aligned with you, um, uh, you know, for it to be done. Um, but if you are contained in a vessel that's bocked up and this vessel that is called body, obviously you can't go through a wall. You can't literally pluck up a mountain and, you know, and, and cast into the sea. And so you want where the idealism has come from for myself is because somewhere deep down in my mind that resilience of knowing that I'm a spirit even though not grasping that I'm a spirit at that time has made me realize that 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 I am better than the situation that I'm that I'm you know confronted with that I can do all things through Christ will strengthen me and so one of the things in mentoring that you got to learn is that there's no such thing as impossible if, if you failed now like Thomas Edison with the light failed thousand times before you got the light to work continue because there will be another way in which you will get into to get the light to work. So, so yeah, that's what, uh, I what I'm say. getting from Jen is you're talking about be persistent. Mm-hmm. If you're passionate about something, persistence is the, has to be there because a passionate person will make it work till it works, right? So another important thing that I want to talk about today, because the current generation Z should we say, are living in a time where there's a lot of single parenting, a lot of divorced families, and a lot of blended families. And interesting, again, mom, you don't have a blended family, but you do have a stepdaughter, which we haven't met. But Jen and I both have blended families. And I just love this, Jen, because my blended family didn't work, but yours works beautifully. So we want to say again, uh, gospel for Grampian Yellow listeners, youth, if if you're listening in today, or even if you're an adult listening in today, and you might be thinking, well, blended families don't work. And, you know, 
it's just good to be single because after divorce, getting married, and if you've got kids, it's just not going to work for the children. We want to tell you that is a lie from the pit of hell because he has two sisters sitting across each other. My blended family relationship didn't work, but yours is working successfully. So let's talk about some of the things that made your blended family work, and let's talk about the things that didn't work And my son, and how can we make it workable because there were certain things we didn't do right, but there are things you already did right and therefore it was workable. So like on my side, the blended family didn't work because the child didn't want to accept me as a mom. And because the daughter didn't want to accept me as a mom, she was very emotional. Her parents were manipulated by the emotions and tried to help her through her emotional challenges and in feeding her manipulation because of her emotions of mom and dad being divorced, they robbed her of having two families. Whereas on your side, you also have a blended family, but you get children that enjoy two families. So, and look, you've got grandbabies from your blended family because you don't have biological kids of your own. Do you want to share about how you try to make it work? Did you have any challenges? How did you overcome it? Because on my side, blended family felt because the parents of the biological child did not want to, did not know how to do it. And even though there was church counseling, et cetera, they, they were so possessive over the child that they allowed the emotions of the child to direct how our family should live. Mm -hmm. And that created a lot of division because now the priority in our marriage became the daughter and not the couple. Mm -hmm. And when if the parents are not respected, then the blended children don't have respect for the relationship. And that's how our relationship fell apart. On your side, how did you deal with it? Yeah, I, it's not easy. Um, I married young, and I married, um, and at that point, not knowing that I would not be able to have children. But I was fortunate enough to um, uh, to meet my husband, who already had two little kids. But I think what made the difference is having the structure right. And the first structure was having God in our life. But the second structure was Brian and I, um, my husband Brian, and I always agreed, even if it was um, if. We didn't agree with each other, but the, the fronting for the children is we had one message. So whether um, uh, it was, you know, you're not going to have cookies before uh, you go to bed. Um, and, and he felt differently and I felt, uh, no, it, they shouldn't have. And he felt they should. The kids only knew one message. They shouldn't have cookies before they got to bed. So that way the children could not have a doorway to come in and manipulate because we had an agreement spirit. We would talk about it in, in, in the closet, so to say, about, you know, what what we felt, whether we thought it was fair or not, and we agreed to disagree in, in the closet. But in front of the children, it was one message. And I think one, one mentoring tip is if you're ever in a position as, as a parent uh, to be in a blended family, I think learn to have the structure set up where you decide together what would work or not work. Because the moment that is broken and you're not in agreement, the children will pick it up because they see not what you say, they see what you do. And they begin to use that internally to manipulate and break down the family structure further absolutely so we are ex we are saying to you today youth listeners that blended families work because we've got through our blended family we've got eight grandbabies and we were a big family and we just love each other this is now jen's family coming into our bigger family. Whereas on my side, having a blended family where we did not have one voice, one message, 
And the emotions of the little girl became the, the dominating decision maker. We fell apart. So youth, if your parents remarry, allow them to be the parents because if they are happy, you're going to be happy. If they're not happy, you're not going to be happy because the parents set the atmosphere in the home. God orchestrated parents to be the authority in the home. So if you manipulate them youth to get your way, you are creating division in your authority in your home. And if your parents have got division because you are manipulating, then the enemy is going to come in and wipe out the entire family and you're always going to be in discord and disunity and in strife. So if you want to have a happy home, you need to respect the parents in authority and not say that's not my biological parent, I cannot respect them. The Bible doesn't say that if it's not a biological family, you cannot respect them. I mean, I'm thinking about, you know, you get this word that says blood is thicker than water. But guess what? Jesus's blood is thicker than human blood. So when you are in a blended family, because you have the blood of Jesus that knits you together, that holds you together, your blended family should be much more closer than a biological family. So there's absolutely no excuse for blended families to not work out, right? Okay, so now that we've got off the blended family, what encouragement would you like to give the youth today in terms of character? We hear this, I don't know if it was John Maxwell who said this or Zig Zagler, but he says that your, your, your altitude is determined by your attitude, mm-hmm. meaning your career can take you at one point, but your attitude keeps you there. Talk to us, Jennifer. Yeah, absolutely, attitude. You know, um, even when you start to interview staff for positions and nurses for job um, position. Um, when what we look for these days is not the skills, the skills you can teach, but it is the attitude you want because it is the attitude that will support that culture in that organization, that attitude that will also that will, that will retain that customer loyalty in terms of the patient loyalty to your facility. And so having the right attitude is the winning ingredient to not only personal success, but also to career success. So I agree, it is your attitude that will determine your success and therefore the level of altitude that you move on in life. And if you don't know how to have a good attitude, I'm going to suggest that you go read the whole book of Proverbs. Proverbs talks about good attitude and bad attitude and how important it is to have a good attitude. Another thing we want to tell the youth today, friendships. Show me your friends and I will tell you your destiny. Talk to us about friendships. How important are good friendships in aligning you towards your destiny? Um, so that is a very nice concept. I'm I'm an introvert by background, even though my, my work life allows me to be in the public eye quite a lot. I'm a speaker. I enjoy speaking. I, love, I, love, I like presenting simply because I like developing people and maximizing people's potential. But at home, I would obviously get my energy from not friends. I would get my energy from being by myself, having my time to think. But having said that, if you're wanting to have, if you choose a friend, that friend should be the one that will speak truth into your life. That, that person should be the mirror from you know who you would bounce to it's like looking in a water and saying is is this who I'm seeing is this the true picture of me and if a friend agrees for 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 
what is not true, then you question that ability of that person to be your friend. Because when things do go dark in your life, you would want somebody that would really be there to just have your shoulder, your head to lie on their shoulder. And so whilst um, my best friend is my husband, because he's the one that can is very direct, he will tell me that get off your hand, your hair looks good, or you know, go and um, uh, go and change or, or do something with your face. And that's what I would want to hear. And and so if someone like um, uh, in your life does it um, that is you know, called a friend, does not show that up for you, then all that person is is an alliance that's not a friend. I'm grateful that that my husband that I've married more than 30 years ago is a friend that we can bounce off and that we can chop at each other's sword. So even if we do get offended at that time, we do kiss and make up, so to say, and literally, because we know we will sharpen and that we've got each other's back. And so I thank God for that. Absolutely. You know, I'm thinking about Proverbs 13, verse 20. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Therefore, we can say, show me your friends and I will tell you your destiny. So you need as iron sharpens iron, so does a friend sharpens another. So having good friends is important if you want to succeed because you become equally yoked. And as human beings, we are we adapt to the people we are around. So if you are, have bad company corrupts good. If you've got bad friends around, then you are going to be corrupted. And so you need to ensure that you have boundary setting in terms of having the right types of friends that will lift you up. You know, The Bible says that we must esteem others more highly than ourselves. You cannot have friends that are jealous or envious because they're not going to esteem you. You need friends that are selfless, where they're more interested in lifting you up than themselves. I mean, I think about the story when when the the man was paralyzed and his four friends carried him through the roof roof to be delivered. That's the kind of friends you must have, that they're willing to be uh, uh, bold and break the roof down just so that you can get your salvation. Those are the type of friends that will die or go to the ends of the world for you. Exactly. And I'm thinking of that song in the room, and this is by um, uh, Tasha Gobbs and Naomi from Maverick City. And, um, you know, they sing about, um, will God stick by your side when you're in the fire? And if you look, there were three men that went into the fire. But when they then looked again, there was four men in the fire. Um, And same has, um, you know, God uh, shutting the lion's mouth. Um, At the end of the day, for me, a true friend is the one that will stick with you in the fire and that will shut the lion's mouth. And like I said, I draw my energy from myself. And so often I'm taking, I'm having those friendship conversations, if not with my husband, then it is with God, because I can be my vulnerable self. I can be my honest self. I can share my weaknesses and what I'm disappointed in myself, in my behavior, in my attitude of that day. But then I can get re-energized and then reset my timer, my thermostat to say, now what is that standard that I should be so that the people that I'm supporting or growing or leading can then see and, um, and and mimic that which I'm trying to role model, not the bad part that I took to God and to my friend or to my husband or to, to unload and, and, and try to reflect out of. So yes, find that friend that you could be honest, that you could be true, that you could be vulnerable with. Thank you, beautiful Jen. Now the next thing we want to talk about is now I'm going to use Jennifer's career uh, skill sets here. So Jen, we've got people looking for employment and they need to prepare themselves for an interview. Now you are very, very strict in terms of your protocols of getting the best candidates for employment, right? And being a director in an international hospital, you you ensure that you get the best caliber of people to work in your team. 
So for purposes of educating them on what to look for in preparing themselves for an interview, what are the qualities you look for in a candidate when you interview uh, people? Certainly the job profile for the TAFA, the job that you've advertised is very important because it's based on that profile that you're wanting to fit in a position or bring in a new um, recruited head. And so it's important that that you have, you're looking for the fit of that person in terms of the personality or the attitude um, and the skills that they're going to bring and contribute into that company. So the second thing is the skills. Um, and the third thing is what I would say is cultural fit. So one, So the first one was attitude, the second one was skill, and the third was cultural fit. Is can you see this person working with the rest of your organization? Just like that candidate is also assessing the company to say, listen, uh, do is this company a fit for where I want to see myself in a couple of years' time? Does does this company have the, the relevant resources to grow my current skills that I bring in and to take me to another level? So, so it's a two-way interview, not just one-sided where you're interviewing the candidate. So yes, I'm looking at energy. I'm I'm looking at flexibility and versatility, and yes, I'm looking at skills. I don't mind if somebody says to me, listen, I don't know that yet, but what can I do to get there? Because that shows me this person is willing to grow. Um, a person may have, let's say, 50% of the skills, but I've got 100% of the right attitude. I will take the right attitude. Because I'm, a, because I'm a person that believes in maximizing skills and maximizing people's deliverables, I know that I can coach that person to success because they've already got one winning ingredient, which is the attitude. So for me, attitude is always the winner. And like I said, the organizational fit. And the third thing is obviously your skills. I love what you're saying, Jen, that you're looking for somebody that has a good attitude because when they have a good attitude, they're teachable versus a person that's not teachable and has a bad attitude. They are poison for your team. I'm telling you, if you've got a bad attitude person in your team, you are heading for discord, strife, and continuous dysfunction in your team. Okay, it's like a disability in your team because of that bad attitude. So you, if you have got an attitude issue, you need an attitude adjustment because like Jennifer is saying that if you have 100% of a good attitude and you lack the skill set, she's willing to take you through the coaching because a person with a good attitude is teachable. So it's worth the cost of training and developing them because you know their attitude with that training and development is going to give you longevity with that with that employee and they are going to add value into the company now talking about values 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 is what sets the culture in a company how important is excellence integrity and transparency in defining a culture of sustainability. So values is actually the behaviors, tangible behaviors that you see in that candidate that drives them towards the purpose or that mission of the company. You know, when um, President, um, what is it, um, the President of America um, was going to visit um, the space station NASA, President Kennedy, and he saw three people um, as he was walking through the space uh, campus. And the first one was pulling a barrel full of bricks and he says what are you doing and he says no I'm just taking um, you know the, the, this bricks there because we want to build something he goes through um, an, another um, team member and he found them cleaning the floors and he asked what are you doing around here and that man says no I'm actually uh, 
helping to put a man on the moon. And then he goes to the third person, also uh, pushing a barrel um, of wheels, and he says, what are you doing? He says, no, we're helping to build um, yeah, so we could put a man on the on the moon. And what you see that he observed of these three people is that two, two of those candidates that were doing a job had a higher purpose in their job, where one of them just did a job. And so basically, we, we in, in, in giving your feedback, it's important that these values are about the higher purpose. So if we're saying excellence, what is that higher purpose? If we're saying integrity, what is that higher purpose? You cannot have a value that is deliverable with no alignment to a higher purpose. So if you're saying excellence, integrity, and what is the third one? Yeah. Excellence, integrity, and transparency. And transparency. So these values are key to delivering that higher purpose, that higher mission um, in, your, in, your, in your organization. And, 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 and if they lived to the fullest, then you will achieve that success in your organization and within the team. Because remember, an organization is a group of people and you can't succeed as, as in your own. And so if everyone is pulling with different values and not having these three there aligned to the higher purpose, then certainly you're not going to succeed. So not only as a personal per, as a person going through the the um, emotions of growing and developing and succeeding in life but within a greater organizational theme you're wanting the team to succeed you have to pull in the same direction towards a higher purpose so excellence towards what integrity towards what transparency towards what they cannot be in isolation they must be a cross-functional matrix of where these key value streams integrate like like a woven thread so that you can have that entire mission or purpose of having the beautiful yarn set on the table. Absolutely. Thank you, Jen. And and those values does not just happen in your career path, but it's also in your home and it's also in you as an individual because when you have those values, you're actually setting up boundaries of who you allow in your space. Because if you're a person of excellence, then people that are not excellent, people that are mediocre will be intimidated of you, right? Mm-hmm. So you go into continuous growth. And then you have in terms of uh, transparency, in terms of transparency, people trust you when they see that you are transparent and there's no hidden agenda. And then in terms of integrity, you do what you say and you say what you do. Not in your families, in your communities, in your friendships, you have that kind of integrity where people can say they are trustworthy. And then people automatically lift you up and elevate you because you have good boundaries, like you said, good value systems that people want to be around your space. And, and just, just to you know, bring it more to, to the, the coal face, so to say, excellence is about always doing something that is always improving on the standard. And so on a personal level, don't just say, oh, I've done it, I've been there now, I've achieved it, and I just sit here, because that's not excellence. Excellence is about continual growing. And the second part, the integrity is being honest in yourself. You're saying, what about my current standard is not working? What, what, what about it is is can you say, um, uh, not truthful about how I'm doing it? Because until you answer those questions of integrity, you cannot achieve that excellence. And the third one, the transparency for me is where you're having the closed loop feedback is about communicating to yourself as well as those people that you are working with in the close net about what is positive and what is negative or what is good. Because in that way, when you have the closed loop transparency, when you're showing them where you are and where you're wanting to go into, your, your, your excellent standard barometer 
continues to move up because you are striving for better. You, the vision continues to be dynamic. It's not static because it's always it's setting the tone to say, where else am I climbing? It's not saying, oh, I've achieved it. I've met the target. I'm now done. We are living in such a fast-paced, accelerated world by technology that you have to move forward while you remain humble in achieving the higher call. Absolutely, absolutely. Now we get to our last phase of our mentoring and coaching today. In terms of accountability and responsibility, how important is accountability and responsibility yeah. in individuals' lives? As youth, you always, a lot of people who are victimized blame everybody for everything. They're not responsible and they don't take accountability. Yeah. And both are equally important. Yeah. Talk to us. Accountability and responsibility is often seen as interchangeable, interchangeable words, but they're not the same thing. Accountability is ownership to yourself, is accounting for your behaviors, your acts or omission. Responsibility is being responsible for a role that you've given to and ensuring that the task that you've been allocated to, that you're responsible to completion. But you can't be responsible with without accountability because accountability is your self-worth is your own value system to say i'm accountable i i i i i'm accountable for being honest i'm not going to take a pen out of work that i didn't buy the pen of i'm accountable even if nobody sees that um uh, that i've taken the pen so no, i'm sorry that's not my pen i'm accountable to putting it back from where i saw it or picked it up from and giving it to the rightful owner but i'm responsible to make sure that the task that was allocated for me to do today that i've completed it to the best of my ability with than the timelines that was given to me and then submitted to the to the line authority that I was supposed to do it. So those are two examples where you're saying accountability is important. It's a self-score that you set for yourself, but it's also a value. If I have no accountability, then I will never succeed because I will not have goals that I will set for myself. I will be rebellious. I will um, People will not even look at you. You will have a fragrance that is not a fragrance. It will be stale and smelly and offensive. But when you're accountable, you like a sweet perfume that attracts people people want to want to make you their mentor they they inspired by how you do things because you you accountable you say when i'm wrong you say i'm sorry i hurt you the other day you're accountable for your behavior you can't blame somebody else because you shouted in the middle of the road because somebody um decided to not give you away i'm accountable for how i choose to respond to that person that annoyed me on the road but I'm responsible for how, for my family, for my kids, for providing food on the table, for submitting to those in authority. And so for our youth, if you are school going, you are responsible for your time in school to make sure that you good, have a good education, right? And you are accountable to get good results. Is it the parent's job to for the student to get the good results or is it the accountability of the student to get the good result? It's the accountability of the student. So... Our youth out there, please do not become a victim of circumstances and blame your parents and the environment for why you are not performing. The first thing you should do is first go and look, what is your accountability task and are you fulfilling that? And in terms of responsibility, where you are in your space, in your journey of life, are you responsible enough? In terms of character, how much that, or should I say, Jen, does money play a, a, a part in a person having good character? Now, for me, mon money is the tool. Yes, money is important in this 
a world that we live in but if you don't know how to use money wisely then then um you don't have a good character because your character will determine your spending habits your character will determine your servanthood habits of how you use that money so you can be a filthy rich person so to say and have a horrible character um uh, that doesn't mean that that money will make you uh, worthy by somebody else because all you are like i said when i use the word fragrance as a as a metaphor you leave behind a stench but when you have the combination of a good character and you use that money um in the best interest of the people around you well you will not only grow yourself and you will become more prosperous but you will also be um, you know when they talk about the levels of leadership and you don't have to to to, to grow in leadership it's not about a position title that's only a level 1 rung but if you want to become an iconic leader this is where your true character shows at number 5 um, level of leadership it's and it the, the epic of it is that it's all about your character it's all about who you are and that's where the humility sets in because you are humble enough to know that you don't know it all you're humble enough to know that you are in awe of the being that has created you and made the universe and this world and you're humble enough to know that he can take away all that money that you've had and you can have nothing and so you you are in reverence you sit in reverence of this holy being that we call Jesus that we call God that we love who's been our mentor from birth until the day he calls us back home i, I love what you're saying jen and why we're bringing this up is we see in south africa especially where a lot of the population has been at one stage poor and in that poverty state they were humble but when they got to a point of having some financial wealth they suddenly become prideful and haughty and so the bible says that the money the love of money is the root of all evil and how you can avoid becoming prideful and puffed up is by remaining humble because it is your good character that sustains you and i love what the word of god says he says the pride will be pulled down but the humble will be elevated mm-hmm. so if you do not adjust your character and make sure that you are humble then you will end up being pulled down because the word of god stands if you are prideful you will be pulled down so learn from what we are saying today because i myself went through a stage of when i was negative and had a bitter heart and a rebellious heart i had to prove to myself that i can do it all by myself little did i know that i was prideful i thought because i was rebellious because i was negative in my heart and bitter in my heart i thought protecting me myself and i was the right thing because i have to self care meanwhile i was deceiving myself i was actually becoming selfish and saying i did this i earned this i'm successful not knowing that i've actually become prideful so what you can do use guard your heart because out of it flows the issues of life guard your heart if you've got negativity in your heart you need to go to god and say god created me a clean heart if you don't guard your heart you're going to become jealous you're going to become envious you're going to become prideful then it's going to be all about me myself and i and god despises the pride but he gives grace to the humble So when you humble you are saying God I'm angry I'm hurting because of that person offending me but I choose to forgive them Lord please help me and then when you begin to walk in humility then you will become selfless and that is the place where God can meet you and his grace will lift you up because God looks for a broken and contrite spirit meaning when you humble enough to say Lord everything I have is because of you and I think about that Jen the more the more higher you get the more humbler you have to become and true and and I love what in 
just said it because you're right. As you grow up the ladder and become humble, you also grow in knowledge and in wisdom. And so a humble person is not a stupid or a foolish person. A humble person is a very wise person. But a humble person has got so much of knowledge and growth already that he knows the little that you think you you know is actually not is not enough. And and so it's it's a revelation of wow, I'd rather not try to argue with this person from where I'm sitting, because this person doesn't know so much yet. And and me trying to teach him is not gonna be benefiting him in this one hour session that I'm gonna have. So let me just let him to them because one day he's gonna have the opportunity to turn around and say, Oh my goodness, what a fool have I been? Because if I just stopped and listened and allowed this person to mentor me and have a recipient heart a student heart, a learner heart, I would have grown much faster. And I also want to say that humbleness and humility is not a weakness. It is it is character. It is strength. I cannot emphasize that enough. So if any one of you youngsters think that being humble is being a, a loser, oh my goodness, I cannot tell you the richness of, of that character strength. That the, If you look at Mandela, being in the prison for 28 years, he came up with a presence. That presence that he came up with was true humility and humbleness because he knew in that school of learning that he was under the Holy Spirit, but in a locked up prison, in the physical prison, he got to know what is true wisdom and true knowledge. And what did he say? Because of humility, when he got out, he said, I had to forgive before I got out because if I didn't forgive, being out there, I'm still a prisoner. Now, humility makes us forgive. If you're not humble, you will not be able to enjoy the blessings of God because God is the one that gives grace to the humble and elevates them. Wow, what an inspiring session we had today. Talk to us, Ma. So, what's in your heart? Well, I'm the same. I'm so thankful and honored that God are so blessed and they have the revelation and the goodness and the intelligence to speak of what God has given them the knowledge and I'm really really honored and I praise God for the talent that he has given my daughters. Thank you beautiful mom and again it's because of this beautiful mom that we can sit here today because one of the things that mom taught Jen and I is the power of intercession and mom for 40 years had been interceding for some for the dysfunctional family and she saw the fruits of it because God actually taught me through mom's experience long suffering because one of the fruits of the spirit is long suffering and mom had long-suffering and patience, insisting and knowing that God will come through for a dysfunction in our home. And she's seen it. She lived to see it. And so we're just very honored because, you know, God puts you in the family that you need. And that family that you need is the family that's going to actually allow you to go into success. Joseph needed the the brothers that were going to betray him or else Israel would not have been saved from the famine. So as we close today, we just want to say, our youth listeners, we trust that you are encouraged and blessed by the mentorship and coaching that you got from the Naidu family. I say Naidu family because my maiden surname is Naidu. So we've got Devi Naidu, Jennifer Naidu, and Angelina Naidu here. And we're so excited to have three different generations sitting around the table and talking about what didn't work and what worked and how you can draw from our life experiences on how to make it work for you. So Jen, last words as we close our Yellow on Air episode 14. Um, I want to say that 
Okay, with God, all things are possible. Being 54, I realized that no matter how high you're climbing the ladder, I really cannot do it without Jesus because Jesus is my mentor, is my chairperson, is my interviewer. He is my king. He is my executive. He's the one that feeds me with strategy. Thank you so much. Gospel for Grandpa and Yellow. We trust you were blessed for the second episode in January to start your year. You've got this wonderful life coaching and mentorship experience from Jennifer Naidu, Mum, and Angelina. Have a wonderful week ahead from us. Ta ta. Bye bye. Thank you.